Hello, I'm Derek S. McGrath. My pronouns are he, him, his. Welcome back to another audio commentary. Last time we looked at Season 4, Episode 2 of Boongo Stray Dogs. That's Episode 39 if you're going by total episodes instead of seasons. We'll talk about what happened in that episode in a moment, but today we're doing audio commentary for Season 4, Episode 3, Episode 40 overall of Boongo Stray Dogs. This is a spoiler warning, not just about this upcoming episode, but also the original Boongo Stray Dogs manga up to chapter 105, as well as all of the light novels. So if you haven't read the manga or the light novels, this commentary will spoil all of that. If you don't want to have stuff spoiled for you, turn off this audio commentary and come back when you're ready. And as an aside, there will be another spoiler that I think is even too big to get into this if you have read up to chapter 105, so I'm going to do my best not to give away that information in today's audio commentary. Okay, with that spoiler warning out of the way, let's talk about what happened last week, what I got wrong, and what I anticipate is coming up in today's episode. This time we're watching Season 4, Episode 3, Episode 40 overall, titled Secrets of the Founding of the Detective Agency. And there were already a ton of spoilers online before the episode even aired. I'm recording this on Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. And even without going through official channels, I already had one detail spoiled for me, but we'll get to that. Let's talk first about what officially came out. Kodokawa released the next episode preview on YouTube on Monday, January 16th. So in that preview, you got to see what we're going to see in today's episode. That being Fukuzawa interrogating Oda, who was arrested and is now reading the Christian Bible. We also saw that Rompo is going to break down crying, so... We are going to adapt that scene from the light novel, so get your emotions ready. Also, in the preview from Kodokawa, we see Natsume in a familiar room that you should recognize from Season 2. That being the underground classroom that the armed detective agency used as a hideout during the guild arc. Granted, that was telegraphed earlier. You can see the railroad, or rather, subway tracks underneath the city as Rompo and Pukuzawa are walking along them in the opening to what has been this three-episode arc for the light novel. And this then leads to the other detail that was spoiled for me. Even before this episode was available on Crunchyroll, Someone else online managed to already see the episode and decided to post an image showing the curry that Oda wants in prison. So that got spoiled for me, but not too much because you already see that curry anyway in the opening title sequence. But that's not all. Kodokawa also released preview images, and the one that got the most attention from me is one showing Fukuchi speaking with Fukuzawa 
and it looks like the two are standing in the prison housing Oda. What is that image demonstrating? That doesn't happen in the light novel. Fukuchi is military, but Oda should have been arrested by the city police. Yet this scene appears to be in the prison where Oda is held, and Fukuchi looks to be there even though he wasn't in the light novel at all. So when adapting this scene, will Studio Bones now have it instead take place in the military prison? Will it be the military police that arrested Oda? Or did Fukuchi pull some strings to get a meeting with Oda and is trying to recruit him into his hunting dog's unit? It's not like there isn't precedence for this. In the manga, Fukuchi recruits lawbreakers into his crew, so we're going to learn that this season. We're going to see Fukuchi recruit a certain antagonist, a certain adolescent who broke the law, and we find out that we already met this adolescent earlier in the series, so that's the major spoiler I'm trying not to get into for those of you who really want to be surprised. I'm good trying to keep that a secret and not bring it up when we get to that revelation later in the season when we see someone we already met is already part of Fukuchi's hunting dogs group. But okay, Oda's in prison, Fukuchi may or may not be there, it looks like he's in the same room with Fukuzawa. What if this scene is Fukuchi in the same prison where Oda is held, but he's not there trying to recruit Oda? Is this scene actually about Fukuzawa having to call in a favor from Fukuchi to get this meeting with Oda? Did Fukuchi have to pull strings for Fukuzawa to have a meeting in the prison? That seems unlikely. The police, as we have seen so far in this flashback arc, already know Fukuzawa well enough to already bend certain rules. They probably would just let Fukuzawa speak with Oda if asked. Then again, we did have Egawa, the theater manager, sound like she was trying to pit the police against Fukuzawa and vice versa, so... Maybe it's not as friendly a relationship as I expect. Or, what if Fukuchi is in the prison, but not in the prison? Let me explain. What if this scene is just going to be Fukuzawa imagining what Fukuchi will say to him at that moment? But that's still not all the spoilers we got before this episode came out. Crunchyroll has now confirmed the casting for the English dub, and in addition to the returning cast, I got my prediction wrong on who would play Baby Oda in the English dub. It will still be David Vincent, who already plays adult Oda, and will be playing Baby Oda as well. So while the Japanese dub went with Atushi's actor to play Oda, the English dub is sticking to the same actor despite the age change. But perhaps more surprising than that, we're also getting David Vinson playing not only Oda, but also Fukuchi, so automatically, but again, this is acting and casting. You're not casting to suit some meta theme, you're casting for the best performance possible. Now, on to what I got wrong about the previous episode, and 
That's a long list, and I don't want to be here all day, so let me go through just a few of them. I got so much wrong last time about the plot of the original light novel, I shouldn't have discussed how this anime succeeds or fails at adapting the original novel, and how it was diverging from the plot of that novel, if I didn't actually read that book firsthand, so... Over the week, I bought the book and read the portion that is Rampo and Fukuzawa's flashback story, and I see some basic details I got wrong, but I also saw how Studio Bones altered some details in adapting the novel for animation. Now having read the light novel, I wish the anime slowed down the play we saw with Murakami, and if they couldn't slow the play down... I kind of wish the anime included an additional scene that we don't have even in the light novel, and that would be a scene where Fukuzawa discusses the plot of the play before we see it. In the light novel, we get exposition from the narrator explaining, here's the plot of the play, here's what it is symbolic of, here's how the play is an allegory about the war that just happened and about ability users. We couldn't have that kind of narration in this episode of the anime without it becoming off-putting and distracting. I'm not suggesting this wouldn't be any less distracting, but why not have the anime include a scene where Fukuzawa explains the plot to Rampo before they go into the theater, just so that we in the audience understand what the play's plot is about that's about seeking an ability user who can absolve these characters of their sin and how the play is a metaphor for what is happening in this setting after the war with so many ability users out there. And if that exposition is too much, then just have Rampo interrupt Fukuzawa and say, right, right, I already got that. I can pay attention, you know. Or have Rampo get bored and say, I got it already, you don't need to give me a lecture, I'll just watch the play and figure it out on my own, and then cuts to Rampo immediately interrupting the play repeatedly to ask Fukuzawa a million questions. I'm asking that the anime explain what the play is about, not only because it helps clarify what abilities are, not that the anime at this point hasn't already explained what they are. The audience already knows what they are. We've seen them since episode 1 when Atushi first turned into a tiger. Rather, I'm asking for this exposition because in the context of this episode, where Rompo is asking what an ability is, I was scared watching episode 2 thinking it was about to reveal that abilities aren't real, that... They're just something mentioned in this play. They never existed until this play. And Fukuzawa heard of them and then latched onto that as, oh, okay, there are these things called abilities and that's what happens. Which wouldn't make sense. That would be a massive retcon. Like this episode literally just showed Oda using his ability to see into the future enough steps to escape Fukuzawa and assassinate the secretary. I know... This should be obvious. You might be screaming at me saying you couldn't figure out what an ability is. That's not what I mean. I mean that the play seemed like it was about to break the fourth wall and do some reality nonsense where it was going to suggest 
all of this is a work of fiction, a la so many other anime you could point to, the Big O being one of them, the Dreadful Fire Force being another, where suddenly we get meta by suggesting what we're reading is a work of fiction and the characters know they're fictional characters, which, yeah, that's gonna break continuity way too much. My point was is that when you have a play within a play, acting like abilities aren't a real thing, that gets confusing. In other words, I'm saying that the execution in the anime was muddled. It sounded like it was about to reveal abilities had never existed, it was just a work of fiction, and Fukuzawa latched onto that to explain it to Rampo, which... No, that's not what the anime was trying to get across. If you read the light novel, it takes its time to explain, here's the plot of this play. Here's how it works as commentary about the real-world conditions in this setting after the war that Fukuzawa fought in, and we're going to see more of that war since this season is going to give us the backstories to Fukuzawa, Fukuchi, as well as Mori and Yosano, and how they all were affected by that war. And the light novel explains how this play is using the word abilities aloud, which is controversial. Like, the light novel is giving you a moment of world building that the anime squanders. In the light novel, we learn that after the war, abilities were abused by people who had them to cause great harm. And they became terrorists, they were attacking nations, they were attacking people, governments were in disrepair, they didn't really know how to handle this. So, one of the things those governments in this light novel did was practically banned people from talking about abilities in public. They would cover them up. They would suppress any mention of them. This is hinted a bit in the anime when you look at Ango's organization within the government to monitor and control abilities, but the light novel makes it far more explicit to say that the governments are trying to suppress any mention, knowledge, or demonstration of abilities. This moment in the light novel, this moment in the anime, where Rampo asks the question, what is an ability, should have been a moment to stop this story in its tracks to do some world building. Otherwise, if you're watching the anime, you're going to think, how does Rampo, who is incredibly observant and brilliant, not know what an ability is. And when the light novel clarifies to say, it's not that Rompo can't figure this out, it's that the government has done that good a job suppressing information about it, it makes sense. The anime instead presents it as, wait, how come Rompo doesn't know this, and how come this play is acting like abilities are just a work of fiction? It doesn't work to keep you in the reality of this story. And as much as I wish the anime would have stopped in its tracks to do this Hunter Hunter exposition dump, we wouldn't have the same dramatic moment we have with Rompo that happens right after he asks what is an ability, where Rompo breaks down emotionally in the theater with Fukuzawa, where Rompo cannot stand how much he doesn't understand himself, this world, and why people act like he's not normal. So, 
I get why Studio Bones didn't stop everything for an exposition dump or a big subtitle explanation to put an asterisk to explain that this phrase means the plan, but we needed something here to clarify the world, and it's disappointing that the world-building explanations are in conflict with the emotional arc of this story. So, similar to Fukuzawa telling Rampo, just be quiet, everything will make sense if you pay attention, this feels like the anime telling the audience, be quiet, this will make sense later. I wish I could be that confident, but when you're also practically telling an audience pick up an additional novel to read it to get more backstory, once you cross from one medium to another, that becomes a distraction from getting to the actual story itself. But what do I know? I'm the one who doesn't want to pick up the Young Justice comics in order to understand the animated series, so what do I know? The play gives a lot of backstory as to that ward that is referenced a few times in the anime, and we will finally see it this season. It's a disappointment in adaptation choices. When you read the light novel that inspired this anime arc, that light novel gives backstory as to the allegory in this play, what it says about the war that Fukuzawa and others just fought in, how that war led to the world learning that abilities exist, and hence why Rampo and the theater manager Egawa in this arc haven't really heard of them yet. This play also may or may not hint at something Bungo Stray Dogs hasn't answered yet. Why do these authors from our real world exist as super-powered individuals in this fictional setting? If you hear the dialogue in the play, you can even hear how the characters bring up that authors and characters should not interact, just as angels and humans shouldn't interact. And yet, we have this story that is Bungo Stray Dogs, where real-life authors like Tanizaki interact with characters they create, such as Naomi and Kiriko. And this plays about angels reincarnated as humans on Earth, with only a fraction of their angelic powers remaining in the form of abilities. Does this mean that in the plot of Bungo Stray Dogs, these characters we meet are actually the reincarnations of famous authors, and their literary powers turned into literal superpowers? I mean, in Season 2, Atushi says he once read a book, and then he quotes from it, but he says he can't remember the name of the author of that quote. But that quotation is from the actual real-life Atushi Nakajima. Are we going to find out that the Bungo characters are actually reincarnations of famous authors? I mean, legally, that's a little dodgy. There are people in Bungo Stray Dogs that you really can't talk about them because there isn't legal clearance for them to exist in this story. It's not that different from how JoJo's Bizarre Adventure can't use the names of certain music groups and songs because copyright, as an example, in Season 3 of Bungo Stray Dogs, the character Ace is likely based on a still-living author, Alan Bennett, but 
Ace has his superpower renamed, and it's not the same as a more accurate title from one of Bennett's actual literary works, and the character is not called Alan Bennett, the character is called Ace. And in canon, Bungo Stray Dogs still features living authors such as Mizuki Sujimura, Yokito Ayasuji, Natsuhiko Kiyogoku, and even Dan Brown, yet of all of those, only Sujimura has appeared in any parts of the anime, and that was the Dead Apple film. And yes, I did just say Dan Brown is canon to Bungo Stray Dogs. Yes, the Da Vinci Code author. It's as cringy as you can imagine. Something else not covered so far in this episode, but is covered in the light novel. How the actor Murakami faked his death. The anime makes it look like he just blew up a blood pack hidden under his clothes to imitate the stabbing attack. But in the light novel, it's revealed that it looks more like an invisible sword cut through him. And even that is the same way that two other characters get killed. It's described how the playwright died, and that may have been from an invisible sword. And then we're going to have another character who's going to die in today's episode, who in the light novel also dies from an invisible sword. Now, there are two characters who do command two ghostly swords people. That would be Kiyoka and Kuyo. But it wouldn't be either of them who would have killed the playwright and this other character. I mean, Kyoko was, I don't think, born yet. And Kuyo was with the Port Mafia at this point. Or maybe a little later was with the Mafia. But the light novel gives another hint who the person was who killed these two. The invisible sword is described to look like it was made of metal. That at a certain moment, it revealed itself and looked like metal. Hmm, do we know anyone who is going to appear in Season 4 of Bungo Stray Dogs who uses metal as their ability? Yes, yes we do. And that is the major spoiler that I can't get into. We'll discuss a bit more about it in a moment because it is possible this particular character with the metal ability is already part of that group V that Mitamura, the police officer, is part of. So it's possible that Mitamura is working with that ability user. And I will lose my mind that that ability user appears in today's adaptation of the light novel. There is a problem with this theory about this particular metal ability user, though. When the light novel first came out, that was long before the manga ever got around to revealing this person's ability to control metal. So, I don't know how likely it is that Bungo Stray Dogs writer Kafka Asagiri had planned out this far in advance in the Rompo and Fukuzawa light novel that this character and their metal ability would appear in the manga. I mean... It wasn't until years later we finally saw this person use their metal ability. Did Asagiri plan that far in advance? Furthermore, if this metal ability user is the one who kills the playwright, that metal ability user is also pretty young at this part in the story. I don't think they would have been around yet to 
have used their ability like this. I could be wrong. I apologize for being abstruse and not just staying outright who this metal ability person is. I'll explain who they are whenever the anime gets around to introducing them. So, I think it's possible that metal ability user is the one who killed the playwright. But I also don't want to spoil who that person is because... If you didn't listen to my spoiler warning and you're still listening and you haven't caught up to the mangas of chapter 105, I don't want to get this away to you because it's such a big revelation that it's going to be disappointing if I give away the secret this early. There is another scene in the light novel I wish had been adapted for this anime arc, albeit for the sake of some dark comedy. In between the scenes of Fukuzawa and Rompo in the cafe, and cutting to the next scene where Fukuzawa and Rompo first meet Egawa at the theater, there is a scene of Rompo in the light novel walking to the theater with Fukuzawa, and the light novel traces so many of the delays, complaints, and just moments of exhaustion from Rompo that slows down Fukuzawa more and more, until Rompo's excuses are getting on Fukuzawa's last nerve. And it gets so bad that as much as Fukuzawa acts like a saint outwardly because he's an assassin, he's trained to show little emotion, he's trained not to telegraph his intentions to his opponents, inwardly, Fukuzawa is ready to murder Rompo. And he starts thinking of every way he could eliminate Rompo. Think Pork Rind imagining smashing Cuphead and Mugman in the animated series. Or Poison Ivy imagining all the ways she can kill Harley Quinn in the 2004 comic book miniseries by Tim and Dini. Or think about Carl imagining dropping Russell out of the house in Pixar's Up. It's that kind of dark comedy. It's Fukuzawa thinking... Oh, I could kill Rompo in this way, this way, and this way, and be done with this problem. I'm a little disappointed Studio Bones didn't go in that direction. I know it would add padding to this arc when you only have so many episodes this season to adapt this light novel, and however much of the Hunting Dogs arc we can adapt with the limited episode count this season... But imagine if the anime had Fukuzawa out of nowhere kill Rompo, and then you cut away and show it was just his imagination. That would be darkly funny, but admittedly it would compromise the necessary sentimental tone of this parent-child bond that the story is trying to establish between these two characters, Maybe you could mitigate that grimness by still having Fukuzawa imagine the ways of an assassin and how, as an assassin, he would remove a threat like Rompo, only you animate it as thought bubbles in the visual style of the spin-off series Bungo Stray Dogs 1, where characters are in chibi form. So it's chibi Fukuzawa killing chibi Rompo in various ways, in outlandish ways, in this kind of grim spy versus spy gag strip a la Mag Magazine, or imagine how your 
thinks about her assassination work on behalf of Anya and Spy Family and how absurdist and silly it gets, that kind of dark comedy of Fukuzawa thinking, I could be done with this problem of Rampo if I just did this, but that would make matters worse, so I won't. I'll wrap up these introductory remarks with a promotion for someone else's thoughts. There is a post that I'll include in the description to this audio commentary. It's a post written by the Tumblr blog Fantastic Rambles. Way back in April 2021, Fantastic Rambles took some educated guesses about where things were heading in Bungo Stray Dogs based on the manga and this light novel. And based on what I saw in episode 2, yeah, I think Fantastic Rambles is probably going to turn out to have made accurate predictions almost two years ago as to who Mitamura is actually working for. The light novel tells us, oh, Miyamura works for V. Yeah, but Mitamura also says there's a boss at V, and we never learned in the light novel who that is. And I think... By the end of today's episode, we're going to have a strong sense that the person telling Miyamura what to do is either Fyodor Dostoevsky or Fukuchi. Please read that post by Fantastic Rambles for more information. It is an excellent summary of the light novel and points out how the use of the name V and all the angel motifs in this arc tie into Fyodor and Fukuchi. As well, depending on how Studio Bones adapts the rest of the light novel in today's episode, I'll jump in during audio commentary to point out how what we see and what we learn about Miyamura strongly hints that he is working directly under either Fyodor or Fukuchi, which, spoilers, that's barely a difference. If you're working for Fyodor, you're working for Fukuchi. They're pretty much the same antagonists this season, so... It's hardly a difference who is Mitamura's direct superior and whether he's working for V, the rats, or the hunting dogs because, again, pretty much the same antagonist this season. And speaking of something else I noticed, I think Studio Bones is going to change something from the light novel when adapting it for today's episode. When it comes to how Rampo notifies Fukuzawa that Mitamura is a killer. In the light novel... Rampo just leaves Fukuzawa's business card under a rock in front of the theater with a message written on that card to warn Fukuzawa. But notice how in the previous episode, it instead had Rampo bump into that sign outside the theater, knocking it over before he laughs it off and puts the sign back up. I think that's how he's going to leave his note for Fukuzawa. He either tucked the notes inside of the sign, or taped it, or in some other way got it there with the sign or the easel so that one, Fukuzawa can't miss it, and two, the note won't fly away in the wind, it stays there. There was plenty more I could discuss, other things I got wrong about the episode or just didn't mention. For example, I had insisted repeatedly that it is canon that by this point, Fukuzawa already knew who Natsume was? No, I got that wrong. I made a big mistake. This light novel takes place before Fukuzawa met Natsume and before Natsume had Fukuzawa work for Mori, so we're not there yet. 
in my defense, when I was reading the summaries for the light novel, it did say that Natsume already knew someone. It just wasn't Fukuzawa. Natsume already knows Rompo. And that shocked me. But let's see if the anime today explains that detail. Also, I should mention how the scenes that were taking place in the theater, Sekai Geikijo, including the structure of the stage, are similar to the real-world Bungo Stray Dogs plays. And we're getting another of those in Japan, this one adapting Season 3's plot, so kind of a meta-reference there. But this has gone on long enough, probably, yep, more than 30 minutes, jeez. With this preamble out of the way, let's get going. I have today's episode pulled up and paused, and the preview image showed Miyamura in the police car, so keep an eye on that, villain. You can watch this episode on the Crunchyroll website, then pause the episode before it starts. I will then do a countdown, so after I finish 3, 2, 1, unpause, you can unpause this episode to listen along to my commentary. Everyone ready? Okay, starting the countdown... Three, two, one, unpause. We start with a reproduction of the notes from V, and it's also a. We're hearing a report from the police trying to identify a middle-aged person. I'm assuming that's Miyamura as they realize that cop is a... not a real cop. We're now getting an adaptation of a scene from the light novel. Where Miyamura is suggesting Fukuzawa and Rampo make a good team. Here we have Rampo... With his glasses still on, saying, I don't think we're that good team. Fukuzawa doesn't trust me. And he is... Rampo's pointing out, how can Miyamura already know that it's Fukuzawa and Rampo only just became partners this morning? How would a random police officer figure it out that quickly? I really like how this is animated, not only the color arrangement, which I am still not over. This is more like Psychopaths. This is more like a police procedural thriller. And I enjoy creating that vibe, especially given when we reveal what Mitamura is really up to. This is still that angel and devil on each of Rampo's shoulder thing, where Mitamura is saying, I don't think you need an ability to be that good, detective. It's bizarre Mitamura is the one spouting truths, whereas Fukuzawa was the one who lied to Rampo, saying, oh, you have an ability, and that's why you're a good detective. Given what we learn here, that was Mitamura who is part of an organization, V, trying to get rid of ability users. So, spoiler, that's what we're going to learn in a bit. This is a bizarre flip to say 
that Mitamura being against ability users is committed to truth, whereas Fukuzawa being committed to protecting ability users and the world is a liar. So, a bizarre twist that is kind of similar to Fyodor Dostoevsky, don't you think? Someone who was so committed to rules and punishing crimes, but himself is taking the law into his own hands to very dangerous results that are going to result in a lot of people getting hurt and killed. And I just talked over all of this exposition. This isn't a bad talking scene. This is explaining how Natsume... How Natsume was captured and was being rolled up in the rugs themselves. Rampo also admits that he figured out that the playwright was killed before the play even started, and that means the playwright couldn't have been the one capturing Natsume. And Mitamura is hearing Rampo show the real plot was to capture Natsume. It wasn't to let Murakami do his death scene or to kill the playwright. And now Rompo's doing that creepy studio bones smile. And he says to Miyamura, you smell a lot like the same rug used to capture Natsume. And now we have the opening title sequence. So my apologies for talking over all of that explanation for how Natsume was captured. But if you're watching this, you're probably thinking, how was Natsume even captured? He's presented as this physically imposing and powerful figure. You saw him destroy that building in Season 3 where Mori and Fukuzawa were fighting. He was able to retrieve and protect Katai. He is hiding in plain sight as a cat. How could he be captured so easily? And what's great about the light novel is it explains all of that in such an obvious fashion... And there's that underground railroad that I mentioned to you, the one where we see Rampo and Fukuzawa walking and leading to Natsume's initial headquarters for the armed detective agency. So, yeah, a lot of this was spoiled ahead of time. Oh, wow, they finally switched the color when Rampo puts the glasses on. They revised the opening title sequence. I'm not going to get over the color choices on this and i'm trying to figure this out this would mean studio bones animated all of episode one in color i guess and then went back and changed parts to monochromatic black and white sepia etc oh another police officer with a face and another one pretty much the same face but still It looks like they had the playwright killed in his own home, Egawa Joshi. So now we got Egawa's full name. The light novel didn't even reveal that. Anyway, I was going to say the playwright in the light novel was in a completely different place. They were in their own house. Episode 2 suggested the playwright was still in the movie. 
was still at the theater in their own office. But now looking at episode three, it looks like the playwright Kurahashi was indeed in their home, in their house, not here in the theater. And now Fukuzawa stepping outside. Is he going to see the notes? There's the sign, and it's framed right next to Fukuzawa. He turns. He looks. Yep, the note is underneath the easel. Thank you, Studio Bones. You made an adaptation choice that improves upon what you wrote, what was originally written. And look, you saved on the animation budget by getting to use a flashback and Hanna-Barbera sound effects. <laughs> oh my god, Rampa even puts his own little face on the sign to let you know he wrote it. It's Maka Albarn drawing herself on the note in episode 1 of Soul Eater Knots. Now, this is the building where Mitamura corners Rompo. They bring up Shell Company, which is also brought up in the light novel, and that means the light novel may or may not suggest this is the Mafia's own headquarters, which would make sense in the light novel. It was a shipyard building, newly constructed, and it's like Port Mafia, shipbuilding... That makes sense, but the anime decides to make it a run-down building, and since I talked over all this, I didn't pay attention to the subtitles enough. I don't know why they made it look more dingy in the anime than the light novel suggested. And now Fukuzawa finds the cane and finds a electronic device on the cane. Now... In the original light novel, there was also documents in that cane, and that document was a red herring. In this case, oh boy. Yep, Fukuzawa is calling in a favor from Fukuchi, so yeah, I more or less called it. Anyway, um, now we're back at the shipyards building. Mitomer says this building is one of our places of operation. So I kind of thought we were going to reveal that Mitomer was now using one of the Port Mafia's buildings without them noticing. But no, it's being said here this building does belong to the organization V. Weird. And now we're told that the other people here with Miyamura and Rompo, there are five people total or five people other than Miyamura, are all men. I don't remember the light novel specifying a gender. I'll be curious if the anime has a mix of genders for these individuals. And I won't spoil where these individuals come from. Mitomura is now explaining how his boss is not at all happy that Rompo figured out their plan. And now you can hear a siren. It seems Rompo's the only one hearing it. 
Mitamura then says, How about instead of killing you, Rompo, we invite you into our organization to get rid of evil people? Hmm. Theodore wanted to get rid of the evils of abilities. And yet, see, in the light novel, Miyamura says, we're here to get rid of ability users because they're evil. But it takes him a while to say ability users. Here, he's just saying, we're going to get rid of evil. We're now in the prison. Oda has been stuck reading the Bible because the prison guards gave it to him. Oh, boy. And Fukuchi is the one who got Fukuzawa into the prison. Fukuzawa wants to know why would someone want to capture Natsume and Oda has probably heard of a mission to capture Natsume, so what can he tell him? Oda says he doesn't talk about his clients, but then when Fukuzawa brings up the organization V, Oda is like, I really don't want to talk about them. There is a slight translation change here where Oda refers to the killing done by V as ritual. I don't remember that being what the light novel called it. It was that V wanted justice, but their sense of justice was warped to the point that they just wanted to kill. The light novel didn't clarify this as easily for me, so I appreciate the anime making this far more obvious that... Fukuzawa realizes V is not that much different than how he used to be. So Fukuzawa's narrative, his character progression in this arc has been getting over the past. I'm not going to say I didn't like Fukuzawa as a character, but he wasn't one of my favorites. This arc is changing my mind. Fukuzawa is coming across far more as a favorite from this arc. And Fukuchi now smirks upon hearing Fukuzawa make that offer to Oda. Is this Fukuchi realizing Fukuzawa's ethics can be bent, his morals can be bent, and that he can use that to eventually get Fukuzawa into the hunting dogs? Or... I don't know. Was it a self-satisfied smirk that Fukuzawa is not as unbending as he portrayed himself after it was his stubbornness that broke their friendship? Oda then says he only wishes he had someone looking out for him like Fukuzawa was. Kind of makes me wonder if that's what made Oda join the Port Mafia was he wanted someone to look after him like a parental figure. 
And then, of course, we know the cyclical nature scene as Oda becomes a parent himself to those orphans. And then the music kicks in as Oda asks for the curry. So good use of the music to build up to the punchline you know is coming. We see the members of V guarding the building. It hasn't revealed yet. The light novel reveals these sol- these people in V are former soldiers from militaries all over the world. And that's supposed to hint to us that Fukuchi is the one pulling the strings. That these are ex-soldiers upset with what ability users did to the world. I'm interrupting Rompo just laying out cow noises, so... I wonder how that's going to play off in the English dub. And now Miyamura says, I'm getting tired of you mocking me. You know that your gifts can't protect you. Yeah, and then, and there it is. Miyamura revealed that what Rompo says here, V is an organization of the gifted brought to drive out other gifted that's Fyodor Dostoevsky's goal. That is Fukuchi's goal, given how bad the war was. And Rompo reveals he knows his ability can't protect him from a bullet. He was counting on Fukuzawa to get here. Man, I wish we had gotten that fight scene with Fukuzawa taking out those other guards. Oh, good. Here's another guard for Fukuzawa to take out. I don't think that was it. And we're getting more. This is good. I thought we weren't going to get all of this. Fukuzawa in the light novel, I think, took out these guards first before taking out Mitamura. Instead, here, the guard comes in right after Fukuzawa took out Miyamura and saved Rompo. And Fukuzawa just dodged those... I don't remember seeing Fukuzawa dodging bullets like this. It makes sense given that the agency has taken out the Mafia repeatedly and he survived against Mori. But that was the gun right at his head and he dodged. This isn't the most impressive animation you're going to get in the entire world, but it's good. And Fukuzawa does the slap that Dazai did to Atushi in Season 2. And now you're going to get your emotional scene. Let's see how it's acted. I'm really liking this. Rompo shouts back like like I would expect a child would shout back. That he makes an excuse to this. And Rompo's eyes are now wide open. And the Port Mafia building in the background and the red lights blinking there. It's a little rushed having Rompo break down crying, but you'll take the moment because Rompo just hugging Fukuzawa and Fukuzawa not knowing what to do with this. This is going to please the audience. That's what matters. And I really like the music playing with this. 
we have a bit of a time skip. Miyamura has been killed while he was in prison. So the plot continues. No kidding, Fukuzawa. So Fukuzawa's still wondering who V is. And there's the answer. Fyodor is watching from back there. And he says it, the name isn't V, it's five. And Fukuzawa looks back and there goes Fyodor. So, yeah, that Tumblr post got it. V does mean five. They predicted it. Okay, now, five. Who are the five? This means decay of angels, hence why we had that play about angels. That's thematic foreshadowing. So the five are Theodore, and we're going to meet the next ones. Fukuchi, Gogol, Sigma, and why am I blanking on the last one? Oda gets his curry, and we're getting the credits music. So I guess the Natsume scene will be in a break in the credits or after them. But why am I not remembering the fifth member of the Decay of the Angels? Fukuzawa, sorry, not Fukuzawa, Fukuchi, Dostoevsky, Sigma, Gogol, you know, Decay of the Angels is based on the title of an author's work, and that author hasn't shown up in Bungo Stray Dogs yet, so... Yeah, that that probably means we're going to get that character appearing in the manga. Congrats on Studio Bones adding content that enriches the story and is revealing something the manga hasn't gone to yet. I gotta know how far Kaka Asagiri was planning this. Like, the fact that they were able to say, I'll introduce V, and I'll be the Decay of the Angels far later in the manga. Man, Bungo Stray Dogs isn't the best series ever, but when it pulls off good world building, it is fascinating and engaging. use the subtitle there to say one year later Studio Bones or rather Crunchyroll now Rompo is asked by Fukuzawa is this the place and Rompo says should be Fukuzawa hired Rompo to track down where Natsume is now I had said Natsume knows who Rompo is but it's not that Rompo knew Natsume he did detective work to find him a, a while back. You mean like a year ago. Here it's Fukuzawa saying that Natsume has a proposal. And now Natsume repeats Rompo's line back at him.
And Fukuzawa knows Natsume's name, probably Rampo's own research helped him get it. I'm disappointed they didn't have Natsume reveal he already knew Rampo's dad, but whatever. Okay, thus we return to the present. Next time, A Perfect Murder and Murder Part 1, and we know what that means, and I can't be more excited. I'll wrap up there. Thank you so much for listening to this audio commentary. What did you think of Season 4, Episode 3 of Bungo Stray Dogs? And did the adaptation of this light novel make you enjoy Bungo Stray Dogs more? Or were you frustrated because instead of getting back to the story of Atushi and the other main characters, we had this digression into the past? The light novel adaptations can be a little divisive, so did you enjoy it? And how did it rank compared to the other light novel adaptations, such as Kunikida and Dazai's investigation of the Azure Messenger, or Chuya in the 15 arc, or the Oda arc. I'd love to know. Please leave your comments below, or in any other way you want to respond, I can be reached via email as well, at derek.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this commentary, please consider contributing at coffee.com slash derekesmcgrath, or patreon.com slash derekesmcgrath. Thank you to contributors Alec Roach and Emily Lauer. And now that Studio Bones has finished adapting the Rompo and Fukuzawa Light novel, we are moving on to the next arc, which is still about Rompo. Next time, we are back in the present as Rompo and his rival, Edgar Allan Poe, work to exonerate one of the armed detective agency members, plus we get to meet one of the most delightfully smug gremlins that we're going to get this season, that being the master criminal Ogury. Which, now that I think about, was Ogury the fifth member of the Decay of the Angels? I don't think he was, but we'll get to that next time when we get to Season 4, Episode 4, Episode 41 overall of Bungo Stray Dogs. That will be next Wednesday. Until then, I've been Derek S. McGrath. You have a good day. Bye.